News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 98 of the Luke Messiah Show. I am joined by Shelby Williams, um, who is a Texan, who is a local elected official in Plano, who is a very active Republican. He served on the Legislative Priorities Committee, which is the committee that the Republican Party of Texas sets up to basically set a Republican agenda. For the legislative session in 2021. Shelby recently served in the last GOP state convention on that committee. Um, and he also is represented by Matt Shaheen, which is why I brought Shelby on today because Representative Shaheen um, announced just two days ago, actually, that he would be filing a bill on uh, called a see something, say something piece of legislation. And I'll just read from his press release. It's a short press release. So I give our listeners a background. Matt Shaheen is a member of the Texas Freedom Caucus. He is a conservative Republican elected official. He's a state representative. He recently uh, had a hard-fought re-election battle where Democrats spent over a million dollars to try to defeat him. So this is a swing district. And Representative Shaheen announced that he'd be filing legislation. um, And here's what he said. Plano Representative Matt Shaheen announced that he has filed legislation to protect Texans reporting suspicious activity in good faith from being sued in civil courts. In cases like the San Bernardino shooting and the Orlando massacre, neighbors noticed suspicious behavior but were too afraid to alert local law enforcement, Shaheen said. This bill helps to prevent mass shootings and protect people who report uh, report this kind of behavior in good faith so that together we can make our communities safer. And uh, I would say that Representative Shaheen got a pretty significant amount of criticism as a result of filing this legislation, mostly from people who uh, some people called it a red flag law, which we'll get into in a second here, Shelby. Uh, I'm grateful for you coming on. Uh, Other people just voiced their concern of the legislation, gun control, is it gun harassment, is it whatever? Should we be trying to pass other pro-gun legislation before filing this stuff. So, uh, Shelby, you, who are both a local elected official in Representative Shaheen's district, supported him for re-election against a very liberal Democrat, I might add, and um, very active, made a post on this, and that's when I reached out to you, right? And so, uh, why don't you just tell people, so as someone there, what you saw and then what caused you to make the post and kind of your perspective. And that'll get us going on a discussion on, you know, the type of legislation that Republicans are looking at working on in 2021 and where we're going to go. Sure. Uh, I think it's important to preface that uh, I, I did support uh, Matt Shaheen. I uh, endorsed him. I block walked for him. Uh, I do not work for him. I'm not a spokesperson mm-hmm. for him. Uh, yep. One of, one of the things I always try to do uh, in, in the public arena is make sure we're at least speaking the same language and mm-hmm. speaking the truth. So I probably became aware of this bill um, a little differently than most folks. So I first had a couple of people text me saying, what the heck is Shaheen doing filing a snitch? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first I heard of it. Then I had a friend uh, text me about it, but he didn't provide the link to Matt's post with the press release. He provided the, provided the link to the actual bill mm-hmm. in, in TLO, which I think is important probably the shortest bill I've ever read. It's a 90 second read, if that. And so I read the bill first before I heard any of the comments or read anything Mm -hmm. on Matt's post, any of the backlash. And so the first comments I saw were along the lines of saying, 
why is Matt filing a red flag law? Uh, why, you know, this is an abrogation of the Second Amendment. Some people were saying it's an abrogation of the First Amendment. All sorts of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. The bill that I read, and I'll read it right here, I've got it up. It's uh, very simple. It has nothing to do with red flag law. It couldn't even, I don't see a way in which it could be turned into a red flag law. Some people have been saying, well, in the hands of a liberal judge, it'll be a red flag law. I still don't see how that in any way that they couldn't already do today, just by judicial activism, which is unfortunately rampant. <clears throat> so I'll get to the meat of it. A limitation on civil action. A civil action related to a report of suspicious activity, somebody calls the cops, of another person to an appropriate law enforcement authority, the cops, may not be brought against the person who made the report if the person acted, number one, as a reasonable person would in the same or similar circumstances. Now, that's pretty gray because what a reasonable person is has gone upside down this year. Yep. <clears throat> but number two, with a reasonable belief that the suspicious activity constituted or was in furtherance of a crime, including an act of terrorism. That's that's the meat of it right there. Correct. That's it. Correct. Yep. So, then I saw, after I read that bill, then I went to Matt's page and I saw the press release mm -hmm. and I saw the comments and doing a little bit of uh, post-game analysis. I think I understand why that happened. And I think it's twofold. Number one, folks are so justifiably on edge after this year that they read things like stop a terrorist attack mm -hmm. and simply inferred red flag laws because Heck, that was discussed a lot before all this madness in 2020 even happened, more so since. So they kind of jumped to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. Second, I think, is that in my experience, very few people understand the difference between criminal law and civil law. Um, and they get conflated in a lot of folks' minds. So uh, I want to make sure our, our definitions are, are kind of similar, right? So red flag laws are laws, and, and just to also give Republican... Texas Republicans, um, uh, more context, right? We have Republican elected officials who have pushed red flag laws in the past, right? Governor Abbott came out, started roundtable discussions after shootings and specifically alluded to publicly support of red flag laws. And then a bunch of activists came out and said, wait a second, and, and red flag laws, I'm not going to give it a perfect definition. So Shelby, you can help me out here. But red flag laws are essentially setting up a situation where you can let's say snitch, you could use different words, but you can report another individual suspicion and then go to a court and that court can then decide whether or not that individual's guns should be taken away based right. on, before the person's even committed a crime, right? right. We're trying to disarm the individual because we have a reasonable suspicion to believe that they could commit violent acts. And we're, right. so it's kind of like minority report, right? Exactly. Um, it's, it's similar in that thing. Okay. The difference here is that Representative Shaheen has filed legislation uh, that I think, if you explain it the way it is, he is saying that he wants a Texas citizen to be able to report to law enforcement suspicion of a gun owner uh, to law enforcement, and that gun owner... As they can already. Yeah. That gun owner cannot retaliate with civil action against that citizen. So that's... Yeah. Is that, do you think that's like a reasonable explanation yeah. of what the bill does? Yes, and let's boil down um, what the, the, the definition of the red flag law. A red flag law, if we were to have one, gives a 
of the ability for authorities, whether through a court, mm -hmm. just the police by themselves, whomever, to take an action against somebody preemptively, like minority, mm -hmm. before they have committed a crime. Yep. This bill does not do any of that. It yep. gives nobody any authority which they do not already have. So people, yep. I can I can call and snitch on people today. I don't, but you know, I, I could say, uh, hey, so and so is a member of the NRA, which I am. I'm a life member. So the example I used was, let's say somebody um, somebody decides to emulate the San Francisco City Council and claim that I'm a domestic terrorist because I'm a member of the NRA. San Francisco City Council actually branded the NRA a domestic terror organization. So that tells you how loony they are. Yep. So if somebody says that and says, I'm a domestic terrorist, just by virtue of being a life member of the NRA, um, then they can do that today. Nothing is stopping them. Mm -hmm. And the police can come investigate me. Just if, if all they say is I'm a domestic terrorist, then the police can come investigate me. They can get a warrant. Uh, I could even be brought to court. Evidence could be presented. Uh, if we were in San Francisco, I'd probably be convicted. But in Texas, I, I'm hopeful that I wouldn't be, for the time being. Um, what this bill would do is change none of that, none of that at all. Police would have no additional power to take away my guns. They wouldn't have any additional power. Uh, the courts wouldn't have a, a similar power. Nobody would gain any additional power that they have. The difference would be that I could not then sue the snitch in civil court. And we'll get into the difference between civil, civil versus criminal. <laughs> That's right. We'll now, now I do I do think this is probably a good thing to say then. Would you say that it's probably reasonable to say that this bill does remove your ability if you are a law? So in the situation where you talk about, you know, some guy thinks that just because I'm an NRA member, he reports me as a domestic terrorist. This takes away any of your ability to go after that individual through a legal process and instead puts all the power in the government which could or could not decide that what he did was reasonable or unreasonable, right? So this, this basically says, citizens, you cannot use the court system to, if you were a law-abiding gun owner, because let's turn this around on law-abiding gun owner. If you're a law-abiding gun owner who's harassed in Collin County or in mm -hmm. Dallas County, I, I like using Dallas County because it's just south of you and you've got a Democrat district attorney who honestly didn't, didn't prosecute riots didn't prosecute a whole lot of violence that happened in the streets this year. So probably isn't that interested if somebody comes, he's probably not all that concerned with, you know, making sure that the gun owners of America members in Dallas County have are free from harassment. Um, and so that it, what it does is it says, if you're a NRA member in Collin County or Dallas County, the bill does take away your ability to use the court system to defend yourself. And instead says, you've got to depend on the government to decide whether or not your you should be defended. Is it, would you say that's reasonable or unreasonable? Close, but not quite. Okay. Um, as I understand it, I could be wrong about this, but as yep. I understand it, it would have to go to a court for the court to make the determination whether those two factors were met, whether a reasonable person would have suspected activity and whether uh, it was made in good faith, basically. Yes. Yes. It still has to be decided by that court which is going to decide it whether this bill is passed or not. Now, that's an important thing to consider. Mm -hmm. Whether this is a good bill yep. is totally fair debate. Yep. You know, we, we can discuss yep. the ins and outs, the nuances. Is it good or bad? But, but it is not a red flag law. It has yep. nothing to do with the Second Amendment, nor the First Amendment. So, so I think you make a great point. First of all, you know, in your original post, you, your whole point was, hey, some people are saying this is a red flag law. It's not a red flag law. I want to make sure that our definitions are clear. 
right? Yes. And that's a separate conversation from whether the bill is a good bill or not, and whether or not it is, uh, it should concern Texans that, you know, one of the biggest concerns is that Republicans tend to not advance a Republican agenda when they have control. Right. I mean, that's kind of a probably a legitimate Not criticism of us as a party the across the whole country, across the nation. Right. I mean, I tell people in 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 2010, Republicans were given complete control because Democrats passed Obamacare. OK. And in 2020, you had Republicans running across the nation saying we're going to cover pre-existing conditions. We're going to make sure that Medicaid is expanded. Republicans were actually running on Medicaid expansion. So our unwillingness to actually pass our agenda 10 years later means we're running on the Democrat agenda of healthcare. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too, too in the weeds on that. Let's try to, I sometimes get distracted. So I apologize. Yeah. Shelby. Um, so I, I called a couple people cause I was trying to understand reasonable suspicion. So this is the definition I got. Um, what an ordinary person would believe in the same situation. So that is the definition. And one of the points I think is, is worth making out is that what an ordinary person in Midland, Texas or Abilene, Texas is, is probably different than an ordinary person in Dallas, Texas, or even to be honest, an ordinary person in Plano, Texas. I mean, you know, Plano has conservative people, but it also has some very liberal individuals, right? And it is a, it is a, a true swing community. And so, um, that's one thing to consider when it comes to what is reasonable suspicion. One of the problems is, is what an ordinary person would think. And we are in a society that is telling people that guns like are inherently violent, right? Uh, we're, we're being fed that through an educational system. So taxpayer money is being funded into educational institutions that are telling people these type, this type of propaganda. The legislature, the Texas legislature actually passed a budget rider in 2019. And it was called, I was trying to find the exact name of it in the bill. It's the budget's a much bigger bill than Matt Shaheen's bill, but it was called something like the firearm safety awareness campaign. So tech, Texas legislative budget money got spent in the last biennium, basically telling people you have to be safe with your guns. And part of that is, I mean, honestly, it, it gets back into somewhat of a worldview. There's a, there's a worldview that's growing. That is the only way to be safe with your gun is if your gun is in a safe, is locked, is in unaccessible by you unless you are to unlock the safe. And if you do not do that, you are not safe with your weapons, right? In fact, if you're a foster care parent in Texas, right, you have to keep your guns in a safe. And so this is Texas. This isn't the city of Dallas. This isn't, this is in Texas. Hey, if you're going to take care of a child, you better have all of your weapons in a safe, which means if you weren't to, you wouldn't be a safe person. So now it seems like because of Texas, Texas's position and other government's position that unfortunately, Texas citizens would be able to make a pretty reasonable case that an ordinary person would think that if you have guns that you're not storing in a safe, that they have a reasonable suspicion. And again, I'm not, I know that's not your view, but I'm saying that was in, in the feedback that I got from some people that aren't, weren't out there saying red flag. That was one thing. That's entirely possible depending on the court you're in. Yeah. And, and I think that's the question is, is this, uh, you know, the, the people in again, Abilene are probably okay. But for yeah. people in urban and suburban areas, they, I think, probably have more potential of concern in that way. The, the other thing when it comes to red flag, I, do, I did want to bring this up and then just get your thoughts in general on some stuff. And this is about good or bad legislation, not 
whether the bill is a red flag law. I think we've gotten that out of the way. The, the red flag law is, is a law built upon the idea of citizens reporting other citizens and then government taking action on that, right? So right. there's like a general you know, worldview that says, hey, if we had more citizens who were reporting on other citizens and then the government was given the discretion to take action, we'd be in a safer world. Now, the most extreme version of that would be a red flag law, which is like, right. this citizen reports this citizen, this court goes and takes away that citizen's guns. That's like minority report level stuff. That's right. The step in that direction, but not a red flag law, would be a belief that, you know what we have a problem of? It's still that problem, but I want to do it not in that way. But it's probably still, when I say moving in the direction of, it, it, it's the same mindset, which says, the problem, the reason we don't have a safer society is that enough citizens are not reporting enough other citizens and that the government is not then being given enough discretion and an information to take more action. And so, go ahead. I'd say not enough citizens are reporting other citizens when there is cause. Um, yeah. You got plenty of citizens reporting citizens for not wearing masks. Yep. Nothing's stopping that right now. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yep. But what we truly have, and I mean, let's be real, what was the impetus for this bill? Yes. Um, I haven't talked with Matt about this, yep. but it's kind of obvious, is people can report me as a domestic terrorist today for being a member of the NRA. It could still go to court today. Um, they could still, a civil court at least, yep. a criminal court. And based on all of the things you said and the definition of reasonable suspicion, et cetera, uh, they could still convict me or not today. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, what I can do today is if they do that, I could potentially sue them in civil court for calling me a domestic terrorist mm -hmm. or bringing emotional distress, but here's the rub. Absent this bill, pretend it was never filed. Yep. Do you believe I would actually have a case, not a defamation case like CNN with Nick Sandman, but a... Somebody reported me to the police saying, this guy's a domestic terrorist. He's a member of the NRA. They saw an NRA bumper sticker on my car. So they reported me to the police. Would I today, absent this bill, have recourse in civil court to sue that person for emotional distress and get a monetary award? Would I, would I win that case? If I the bill does not pass. Not. Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, you're saying, if the bill does, even if the bill's not there, if you were to take them to court, you don't think you would necessarily win the case. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. I'd have no chance of winning yep. the case, yep. even in Abilene. Um, yep. So the bill would not change that outcome. Yes. Maybe maybe it would shut the door to it when right yep. now I have maybe a half percent chance. I'm yep. shooting from the hip here, no pun intended. Yep. Yeah, and, let's definitely avoid those ones. <laughs> but uh, conversely, yep. we live in a society, much more so this year, where if I see somebody crawling in through a side window of a house and they happen to not be a white guy and I call the police on them, there's a very good chance I'm going to be pegged as racist. They're going to sue me in civil court for emotional harassment. That's what the whole freaking beer summit under Obama was about. A black guy was climbing in to what happened to be his own window, but come on, it's suspicious. Anybody climbing into a side window of a house is suspicious regardless of their race. But we are so amped up now that if it's a black guy instead of a white guy, suddenly it's racist. 
without that bill, it's being taken seriously all over the country. You reported the guy climbing in through the side window of a house. Obviously, you're racist. This bill would provide protection against that. But when any piece of legislation is filed or debated, what we should be looking at, of course, is the unintended consequences. How could this be used in the wrong hands? How could this be interpreted in the wrong court by the wrong judge? And, and that's what we have to look at. And I've asked several people, like since I yep. made my yep. post just explaining all this yep. bill, I even said at the end, at this point in time, I don't think this bill is actually going to accomplish much um, because those kind of suits aren't rampant now. Maybe give it 12 months, they'll be commonplace. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Openshaw characterized it as a minor defensive move, which I could totally see. <clears throat> but we cannot debate the merits or the unintended consequences of the bill if everybody's calling it a red flag law or a violation of the Second Amendment or what have you. And I think you, so I like the point that you make when it comes to potential protections, um, you know, for you reporting a suspicious individual and then being accused of racist. I think actually that gets to one of the other concerns of Republicans when it comes to a Republican official who files a bill and actually says he's doing it to reduce gun violence, right? So the point being that let's say there are two situations. You presented us a situation where you could be a reasonable person who's walking down and see somebody climbing in their window and says, you know, it's their own window, but you're like, that seems suspicious. And you call them and an, a, a jury of your peers, uh, you know, a judicial system that's not necessarily all that geared towards you and protecting you could easily come against you and he could have a civil suit against you as a racist person who was not racist in any way, would have done it regardless of his skin color, right? And, but, but if you were, so that would be maybe on the right of center perspective on, hey, this would be the protection that I get. If you were the left of center person, you would say, I, I have a long list of people on my street that need to be reported. Okay. I'm telling you, Bubba with the Trump you know, flag and I've seen him. He's got a rifle in his truck. I'm telling you, and it's not safe. And I would love to report him. Right. And then they go, oh, I'm getting protected. And then the question is, okay, so Republican official comes out with his announcement of his legislation. And who is he saying he's going to protect in his legislation? I know his actual legislation is you gave a situation where he would protect somebody who is of, of a different worldview, right? And against a more left politically correct culture. But that's not what this bill was filed. Um, so there's uh, intent is prior to content. And content's important. The content of the bill is important. And then you have the intent of the bill. The content is really important because it's actually what the bill does. Intent is why is this even being done? And the Republican message that was put forward was this is being done to protect all those people that are going to report on all of the gun owners, right? And uh, and I'm not saying all every single gun owner or that Representative Shaheen even intended it for it to be targeted at law-abiding gun owners. Gun owners. Well, I'm saying it does based on the, so we have to also take legislators at their own words, right? So, I mean, they put it out and said, this is gun violence reduction. I think you're, you make a good point. And that's also one of the reasons why a lot of times there's a lot of, uh, the criticism falls a lot on the citizens, right? And you've been a citizen activist. You've gotten involved from the bottom up. I want to go into that at the end of our conversation, but citizens also react to what they're given. Right. So when a politician puts out, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I got back to like the worldview behind red flag. Uh, 
I think some people have put out statements on the idea that, you, you know, you were on the Legislative Priorities Committee and you said one of the priorities needs to be passing constitutional carry. It's a good example of where Texas is less pro-gun than the state of Vermont, right? In Vermont, who has Bernie Sanders as their U.S. Senator, by the way, it is easier to buy a gun and wear it on your hip than it is in Texas. Well, that's a little crazy. Maybe we should fix that. Maybe that's something that, I mean, right after we just trounced Democrats in November, we should say, hey, let's pass these. And instead, in December, going into the new year, you have one of the more conservative legislators, right? I mean, Matt Shaheen is undeniably of the 150 elected state reps, one of the 15 most conservative. And his bill that he puts out not only says it is to provide more protections for people who want to report gun owners, not all citizens doing suspicious activity. I mean, he could have put that in his press release saying this deal. He said, this is about guns, right? It, it so, was a bad press release. I'm not, I'm not going to mince words. It yeah, was bad and, press release. and so I think that, you know, getting into like good or bad bill, right? That's part of the discussion that comes in. I do understand not, it's not a red flag law, but the question is one, is it promoting, and this gets back, I guess, to, you know, the government is paying for advertisements that's telling people, if you're a safe gun owner, then you'll keep all your guns in a safe, okay? And now, even the Republicans are basically perpetuating a worldview that says, our community will be safer if more people are reporting more citizens regarding their gun ownership and the government is taking action and it, like, meaning there's more action that can be taken. So it's it's a general worldview promotion that like, that's what's going to lead us to a safer society. While the Republican priority platform and the, like, you read through the whole, we don't really have a lot of that promoted within our, our platform. We have said that basically, we believe in the opposite worldview of the left, meaning we actually think that a safer society is one where more people are armed, more individual citizens are empowered, more individual citizens are protected to protect themselves and to protect their neighbors, right? I mean, Ron DeSantis comes out and says, hey, I want to give you more protections. If you're an individual, and this is in Florida, another swing state, Ron DeSantis said, hey, I want to make sure that when there are rioters and looters and all this stuff that Texas, that I'm sorry, not Texas, Florida citizens are further protected, have more protections as gun owners to do that. And that's just a broader concern uh, that we're not going to solve that all today, but I, I wanted to make sure, cause I know that a, a decent amount of our listeners are probably on the, on the side of not liking Shaheen's bill. Right. And, uh, and I think you're, the reason I wanted to have you on is cause I wanted to have a real discussion about it. And I really appreciate your willingness to do this because it's not a discussion. One of the points you've made from the beginning is if we're going to criticize legislation, let's figure out what the legislation does and then know what to criticize about it. Right. And then you should have linked the actual bill. Yeah, it, it would be a lot better. Yeah, let and, people read it for themselves. Yep, um, and then separate from the policy, I do think that the worldview that our legislators promote—and you know this as a lawmaker—the worldview that you promote, even if the policy doesn't back it up, is also of concern, right? To say this is the deal, um, and then it's like, well, even if your bill doesn't do that, why are you saying your bill does that? <laughs> because that's actually—if more Republicans are reading that Republican officials are saying, hey government needs to be further involved and more people need to report on more citizens in order for us to have a safer society. Mm -hmm. That tends to actually perpetuate a belief in our culture that says, hey, if all of us were reporting each other and government was given more authority to do so, and maybe not authority, because I think your point is, it doesn't further empower government to take right. more action against you. They already have the authority, but giving them more access to information, right? The, the problem is the government doesn't have enough information about all the citizens to then be able to know who to take action on. And, uh, so this doesn't it, even give them more information. 
Again, but, people can report anybody today for anything. Well, the question is, does it, I think the whole intent of the bill is to give them more information because, I mean, in the release, it specifically says the hope is that more people will report, right? So oh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. So I'm saying the, the, it, it, its intent is to give the government more information in hopes that more people in Plano, yeah. Texas, report to local law enforcement right. more suspicious activities of gun owners. And right. my point is, you're, you make a good point saying, you can actually, this actually protects you to report anything about anybody, but Representative Shaheen's intent based on what he put out is that more citizens in Texas would give the government more information about more gun owners in hopes that that would lead to a safer society, a safer community. Correct, correct. No. But the, the key, and if yep. Shaheen won't say this out loud, I will. Uh, the key in San Bernardino, in uh, Orlando, in 9-11, these were not white guys. And I guarantee you, in today's world, if a thousand people were to drive by a house, don't know who lives there, and they saw somebody climbing in through a side window, a thousand people drive by. They drive, actually 2,000, each drives by twice, once by a white guy climbing into the side window, once by a black guy climbing in the side window. I guarantee you a lot more people will call the police to report the white guy than the black guy. Even if nobody knew, they don't want to feel they are racist for reporting a black guy climbing in through the side window, especially since that actually happened and made national news and the guy who reported him was accused of being racist for it. I mean, that's an actual thing. So a bill like this, while I'm sure somebody could find a way to pervert it, it is to, provide some layer of protection, some layer of comfort for people to call the police equally, no matter who's climbing in through that side window because it's freaking suspicious. And we live in a society where we're not doing that and it's getting worse. So. Thanks for talking about this, Shelby. I wanna close with you giving a little bit of your background. And the reason for that being that, um, you know, so many Texans I think are less involved in politics and government because they have a belief that there's this pre, you're these preconceived barriers to entry. And uh, that's part of my story and a lot of other people who just jumped in and, you know, fast forward three, four, five, six years and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a whole lot of policy discussions and real debates on the further, the, where our society goes. So would love to hear your background of, were you always political from, you know, the womb? Did you grow up a political family? When did you start getting interested? And then what are the things that you did to get more involved? Yep. Um, I'll try to keep this brief because it's kind of a winding path. Uh, yep. I, I've always been a conservative Republican. Um, uh, that was a gift from my father, God rest his soul. Um, I listened to Rush Limbaugh with him in the early days when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always voted. Ever, I couldn't wait to vote once I turned 18. But I was always politically closeted mm. until 2012. Mm. I never breathed a word to anybody about my political bent. After the 2012 election, when uh, Obama defeated Romney to mm -hmm. get his second term, I took my first trepidatious step out of the closet. On Facebook, I simply asked, why did you vote for who you voted for? Mm. And it was just a tiny little baby step. That was uh, <clears throat> November, obviously, 2012. Mm -hmm. In tail end of 2013, I had pre-ordered Mark Levin's book, The Liberty Amendments, and read the book. I'd read the Constitution cover to cover, 
numerous times, and it never dawned on me what could be accomplished with Article 5. Um, so I read the book, The Liberty Amendments. It's about a convention of states under Article 5 of the Constitution for to end run Congress and for the people to propose amendments. I'm reading the book. I'm like, that's it. That's how we fix the country. Mm. But the, the call to action at the end was lackluster. It, mm. it just said the time is now. Okay. Mm-hmm. How? What? Um, I, I Googled Article 5 convention. Uh, I did not find the Convention of States organization at that time, though in a mm. whole separate story, the Liberty Amendments and the Convention of States organization um, launched pretty much simultaneously, but mm-hmm. without talking to one another. Mm. Um, uh, I found another con- I found another organization, didn't even have its website set up yet, but I did a Who Is search, found the guy, talked to him, said I wanted to get involved. Um, I built their website. And I, uh, I drafted the resolution, but it never really went anywhere. The founder was spread in too many directions. Mm-hmm. Then, but I was involved with, he set me up with Convention of States. Mm-hmm. And then, it, fast forward a couple of years, in uh, 2016, I get an email about, remember, this is just four short years ago. Yep. I get an email about uh, uh, the Convention of States wanting to pass the resolution through the precinct conventions in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to any level of convention, never been involved in the local county party to any extent. I was just saying, told in the email, bring this resolution to your precinct convention. All right, printed out a bunch of copies, went, and I was off to the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, went from the precinct convention to the Senate district convention, uh, kept fighting for the resolution, because again, I'd invested the past couple of years of my life in trying to advance uh, Article 5. And then I went to the state convention, first of any of these conventions for me. At the state convention, I was with the other convention of states folks from around the state. um, And I I was hanging out at the convention of states booth. I was uh, testifying for the resolution. And I decided then, okay, I'm I'm going to cast my lot with these folks. They're a lot better organized. uh, They're more committed. And so I cut loose from the other organization, which hadn't really gone anywhere anyway. And I threw in with Convention of States uh, with all my energy. At that state convention, I, I was elected in Congressional District Caucus uh, to be an alternate delegate to the National Convention in Cleveland. So very first precinct convention, I went all the way. And I want to give people a little bit of a, I want to give people a little bit of a background. So basically the way this works is you go and vote in the Republican primary. And you can attend right after that a precinct convention, which is, let's say, the most active Republicans in your precinct get together. And one of the things they do is they pass amendments to our party platform, which some of our elected officials take very seriously, others not so much, but they get to amend it, which is the the document that we as Republicans in Texas believe in. And it's really cool that somebody who's literally never done anything in the Republican Party, if they vote in the primary, they show up at their convention, they offer it, and all of their neighbors say, that's a great idea, and vote on it. Now it goes to their county convention or their Senate district, depending on how it's set up. You go to the county convention, and at that little precinct convention, you say, hey, who here wants to go to county? Y'all go to county. County convention happens a couple weeks, a month later. And now you all get together, and these are the most active Republicans in your county. And they're debating and talking. And you might have this issue that you care about, and it goes on to the state convention. You convince enough of your neighbors and your fellow community. And, and then they go, hey, which of us want to go on to state? And you can petition and talk to people on the nominations committee, and they can go, hey, you seem like a good guy. You're going to go to state. And then you go to state, and now you have a congressional district. And 
I, I just like walking people through that in case there's any listener out there who's just sitting there going like, I really care about guns. Okay. If they're listening to this, they probably care about guns or I really care about this issue. And, uh, I've never done any of that. And you go, Hey, next Republican primary in 2022, you could go to your precinct convention, go to your County convention, go to the state convention. And, you know, fast forward, I don't, I'm going to go back to your story in just a second, but fast forward four years later, you were serving on the legislative priorities committee. You were actually one of the people deciding for all thousands and thousands of Republican delegates, what are our top priorities that we want passed? Not just the platform, but the priorities. What do we actually, because this is what we believe. And then the question is, how does that get translated into actual legislative action? Mm -hmm. Uh, As a council member, you know that a council member can believe a lot of stuff, but the things they actually advocate for often are what they believe in, right? So I could say, here's my whole platform and it's 20 awesome things. And if I get to council and only push one, that's really what I believed in as a council member. There's, if I'm signing off on 18 different things, those are what I believe in. And so we, we saw that kind of disparity, like, okay, we have a platform, but we need priorities. You were on the legislative priorities committee. And that was four years from, you know, 2012, then 2016, now 2020. Yep. So let's go back uh, to 2016. You basically cast your lot with convention states and you're in with them. Yep. Uh, so I went to the national convention as an alternate delegate to uh, my good friend, Carol Maxwell, whom unfortunately recently passed. Mm, I saw uh, that. I was his alternate mm. uh, for then candidate Trump. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I also became a district captain with the convention of states uh, that year. A um, few months in, I became a regional captain for Convention of States. And then in 2018, I went back to the state convention, uh, brought my little girl this time, um, and uh, fully involved with Convention of States. A few months before the first person had asked me to run for city council, I should say after I came back from the national convention in 2016, I was neck deep in local politics. Mm. So never been involved with the county party before. Mm. Now I was all in. Yep. Uh, and so two years of that, to 2018, a little less than two years, uh, the first person asked me if I would consider running for Plano City Council. And I said, uh, I don't know, I'd have to think about it. For about three months, I kind of sort of thought about it, not really seriously. Then it was at the 2018 State Republican Convention in San Antonio that the next person approached me and asked if I would consider running. And then a couple of weeks later, somebody else asked me, somebody else asked me, and somebody else asked me. I mean, obviously they were coordinating, but mm-hmm. uh, but after enough of this, I figured- Some could say, hey. some would say conspiring, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after enough of this, I figured I'd better take it seriously. And for from the time the first person asked me to when my family and I finally made the decision at Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory in Orlando at Universal Studios, uh, seven months had passed of mm-hmm. thought, prayer, consultation, I you know, asked other elected officials, folks on council, what am I really getting into if I do this? But we made the decision in late October of 2018. I announced in December 2018. And uh, through an absolute dogfight of a local election, uh, by the grace of God, I was elected uh, last year in a runoff. And um, haven't looked back. Honestly, it's been a lot more rewarding than I ever anticipated. Uh, and it's not even the stuff that happens on the dais it's, uh, or it makes the papers. It's stuff that uh, I would not otherwise be able to do to help in the local community uh, if, I, if it weren't for my role, my title. And then still active in uh, the Republican Party. And then convention this year, I was asked to serve on the Legislative Priorities Committee. Hmm. So four years from zero name 
to local elected official and serving on the state legislative priorities committee. Um, ain't nothing special about me that uh, doesn't apply to anybody else. Hmm. So all of these barriers to entry that uh, you're talking about, Luke, uh, most of them are artificial. Mm. Yep. Well, Shelby, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope that, uh, you know, no matter what issue brings citizens to the show, I want to make sure that everybody knows how easy it is to increase your involvement if you want to. Absolutely. And so that's why I love hearing these stories. When it comes to this legislation, I appreciate you reading the bill, commenting on it, even coming on here. Like I said, we've prefaced, you're not a spokesman for matching. You're you're actually his constituent. You're a local official in his district. Um, and you're somebody who's been a very active Republican who cares about Republican policy. So I hope that people have learned a little bit about the policy. Um, and, uh, you know, some maybe misconceptions that were put out, but also I think legitimate concerns that exist out there on not only what the policy could lead to, but also um, what our Republican officials are pushing, you know, the type of the type of worldview that we're actually presenting to Texans, because if our worldview that we present, take away the policy, if the worldview that we present to them is, you know, right in the middle, or even kind of in the direction they want to go, but not quite there, uh, it, it potentially, in fact, I, I would say it does set us up yeah. for failure, as opposed to advocating for actually saying that, like, more citizen empowerment is is the alternative. Um, but I'm super grateful for you coming on. Uh, and well, thank you for sitting down with us. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.